Hello, and welcome to Meditations from Middle Earth. My name is Strider, and I'm a Christian worker here in where I call Middle Earth. We love to meditate on God's Word, and He's given us so many unique and rich experiences here in Middle Earth, and I'd like to share those insights with you here on Meditations from Middle Earth. Greetings. I am recording today on a sunny afternoon, and my wife is at work, and I am in the house alone, which seems like a good time to talk about the discipline of solitude. Solitude isn't merely being alone, and loneliness, as it gets defined, is, is really emptiness, whereas solitude is being fulfilled, or an inner fulfillment, we might say. Now, how would we get there? If I'm sitting here alone, and I'm just feeling edgy and unhappy, and really, really wanting to be with other people, and being an extrovert, I do generally like to be with other people. Um, I get a lot more energy from sitting with others, although I greatly value my time alone as well. But how do I get there? How do I get from that place that's edgy and restless and wishing that I was with someone else and feeling even depressed or anxious on my own to getting to the place where I can sit quietly and listen to the voice of God? How do I, how do I get there? And this discipline of solitude is really something for us in the, those of us who live in the modern world, which is all of us now living in the modern world, we are in a world of hyperstimulation. Um, lots and lots of stimulation all the time, you know. And uh, as we look at either the news cycle or the different kinds of entertainment, you know, now we've gone from watching movies to uh, just. Um, I have a terrible habit now of binging uh, either Facebook videos or uh, something like that, or even on YouTube where you can go and just watch 30-second uh, to 5-minute clips of things, and you can just boom, 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 watch the guy fall on the skateboard or you know, watch the person slip down the stairs or watch the dog do the silly thing, and... Your attention can just be devoured for ever. I mean, it, it lasts. You can do that for a long time. It's designed to keep you doing that for a long time, and and there's no rest in that, and there's no stopping and thinking. Where? What is the Lord saying? Where am I? What am I about? What is He about? Where, what is our place in this world? And. We need to have the discipline to stop the voices around us, to turn off the television, to close the computer down, uh, to put the phone away and put it on silent mood and sit quietly. And, you know, it it really doesn't matter where. Honestly, you can be lonely in a crowd of people, right? You can be in a place, in fact, crowds of people whom you don't know and whom you're not interacting with can actually exacerbate your feeling of loneliness and isolation and depression. 
So you can sit in a public place, you can sit in a private place. Uh, where you're sitting doesn't matter. It's your mental state. That mental state that says, my thoughts are quieted and I'm alone with God. You know, you think about the famous uh, Psalm uh, 46.10 with be still and know that I am God. That be still and know. And, and Jesus certainly gives us an example of solitude again and again uh, throughout his life. We see him, you know, we're going to take up his going off into the desert in Matthew chapter 4 in the coming weeks. In these next lessons, as we leave behind the Beatitudes after today, we're going to be looking at Jesus going out and fasting in the wilderness. Um, so a time of solitude after John the Baptist's death. Again, he tried to get away from the crowds. He went out a great while before day, and he's praying, and he's sitting quietly with the Father. And as we consider what that means, that Jesus needed this kind of time away and this kind of silence, and we have that so seldom. I, I certainly have been guilty of of filling the airwaves and filling my mind with things so that I didn't have to sit alone with myself. Uh, I want to keep the music going. I want to keep um, noise going. I want to be with people as much as possible. I just want to stay distracted. And as I've learned to slow down and sit down, and sometimes it'll come in the morning, well, it'll very often come in the morning for me now these days, as I loved getting up early and uh, meditating on God's Word. And uh, that's, um, I struggle to say something like that because I don't want you to think that I'm some kind of spiritual giant because anybody who knows me uh, doesn't get that vibe. Let me just say that. Um, I'm no kind of spiritual giant. And yet at the same time, I want to hold out encouragement for you saying that even if somebody like me can look forward to getting up early in the morning and reading and, and sitting quietly with the Lord, uh, then you can do that too. Another thing that I have learned to do is if I'm on a, a trip of some kind, I'm on a longer journey than just you know down the street to the store, um, turning off the radio and just saying, Lord, how you doing? Not, not trying to open up some kind of conversation of uh, how can we solve the latest global crisis together or um, how can we uh, overcome the immediate obstacle that I'm facing in my own life, but just saying hi and opening up and, and being quiet before him and just letting him speak about what he wants to speak about. A lot of our what we're trying to get to in contemplative prayer is about this. And solitude is an absolutely essential discipline to get us there. You know, without silence, there's no solitude. Uh, but silence isn't just refraining from speech, but it's active listening to God. Uh, there's an old proverb that says that the man that opens his mouth closes his eyes. Uh, so just closing our mouth and not speaking for a while. And, and control's the key. I, I'm a big fan of Thomas Akempis, and uh, I love the Imitation of Christ, a book he wrote 500 years ago. 
And um, one of the things he says in it, he says, it's easier to be silent altogether than to speak in moderation. Oh my goodness, I have found this to be so true in my own life. Um, if I'm trying to speak less, it's, it's such an uphill battle for me. I am a talker. I always have something to say. And if I'm in a group of people or with one person, or if I'm sitting with God, man, do I have a lot to say. And trying to just say, well, you know what, I'm just going to, I'm going to ask questions and I'm going to let the other guy talk. I can try and I do try. You know, if I'm, if I'm in a social event, my wife is going to be kicking me under the table just about continually on, you know, hey, why don't you let somebody else speak for a while? You know, and um, why don't you ask questions and listen for a while? But it, honestly, just giving up on moderation and going to silence is easier. Uh, and especially sitting with God. Trying to talk less is, is hard. Just going to silence and having the freedom to be quiet before other people and before the Lord, I think is a really good discipline to have. Now, obviously, you know, the proverb says, word fitly spoken, it's like apples of gold and settings of silver and all that. So we, 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 we don't consider speaking to be evil or wrong in any way. Um, we want to say what's, what's good and helpful and encouraging. But there is a, a kind of helplessness to silence. As we, as we go silent, we're not able to defend ourselves. It's, it's, uh, Richard Foster says, silence is intimately related to trust. We need to trust the Lord to defend us. Trust the Lord to look out for us. And so we don't have to be defending ourselves or standing up for ourselves or advocating for ourselves. We have an advocate in the Holy Spirit. And we need to let him work. And our silence is a really good way to do that, to sit quietly and let the Holy Spirit work on our behalf is an important thing to do. And it's an act of faith. It's an act of trust. So I would consider uh, another thing that Richard Foster says in his book, Celebration of Discipline. He's, he talks about the tongue as our spiritual th thermometer. Uh, so you want to take your temperature on how you're doing spiritually. Uh, how much are you talking these days? Uh, that's a, a humorous slash not so humorous way to, uh, to look at your own spiritual life and, and your engagement with the world. How much are you trusting the Father to speak for you? And so we need real silence and real stillness. And we need to really close our mouth so that we can listen to others. Now, I think it's time to move on here because we're into this already 10 minutes. So I want to leave you with this, but I, we're going to come back to other steps to silence in the in, in solitude. Yeah, we'll begin to talk about silence here in a future uh, lesson. Uh, and we will definitely come back to solitude because it's an important part of what we're trying to accomplish here as we move towards contemplative prayer. You're not going to achieve contemplative prayer without uh, some semblance of the discipline of solitude. So consider solitude, consider how to practice it. How can you be alone and be okay?
with being alone. Some of you introverts don't know what I'm talking about, um, but many of you extroverts are terrified at the prospect. And we need to be able to, all of us, move into this space where we're sitting alone with God, and it's okay. He's enough, and we can trust Him. Now, I want to move towards our meditation today. Our meditation today will uh, be the last of the Beatitudes. I'm excited to bring this lesson. It's in some ways a continuation of uh, the last lesson, uh, but let's, let's start at the beginning here. We're reading in the morning, say, I'm looking at the Beatitudes, and I'm reading through, and I see, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. As I get my attention called here to verses 11 and 12, one of the first things I notice is that this is the end of the Beatitudes section. Uh, the last of the blesseds. I notice that it's a little different from the others because um, he turns and says, instead of blessed are those, it's blessed are you. He's turning to his the crowd and to his disciples in particular and saying, blessed are you. When people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account, and the second thing I notice after seeing the blessed are you, I, I'm noticing here that it's two verses. This is a longer uh, blessed. So um, he's there's a rhythm to the Beatitudes as Jesus, the master teacher, is uh, attracting our attention to the various things he wants to highlight. And here at the end, uh, there's this crescendo on his speech. Uh, even though he's going to go on here for another 15 minutes uh, in um, Matthew, the rest of Matthew 5, 6, and 7 in this Sermon on the Mount, here in this first section, here's the crescendo, the, the, the big moment where he's like, and blessed are you, and you can hear his voice raise, when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Well, there's, there's several things to pick up on there. Well, one, again, we're with the blessed concept, being blessed, uh, having a special grace of God, and yet um, in a seemingly, for a seemingly terrible thing, people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. I do notice that he's thrown in the falsely here. Just because you're persecuted doesn't mean that you're automatically blessed. No, you're, you need to be accused falsely. 
If you're a jerk and you're accused of being a jerk, that's not persecution and you're not blessed for that. You're just a jerk. So, uh, but why are people going to revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on Jesus's account? And I think, again, this is a bit of a continuation from the last blessed, where we were blessed for those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Well, who's righteousness? And one of the names of Jesus is son of righteousness, right? And so he's righteousness. And now not only we're persecuted for righteousness' sake, but we're persecuted for Jesus' sake himself. And it's not just Jesus the historical figure 2,000 years ago, but it's uh, on account of Jesus. It's the Jesus who's living and active. Because remember what we said last week time, blessed are, the per- are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Why are they persecuted for righteousness' sake? Because the rulers of this world rule with fear. And the rulers in the kingdom of heaven rule with love. It's a very clear-cut distinction. And when people come in right standing with God, so here we're in verse 11 now, blessed are you when people revile you on my account. Well, now we're, we're standing with Jesus and we're offering freedom and forgiveness and love, and it's all free without a price tag. You don't have to... Uh, do a certain number of religious things or sacrifice a certain number of things and you don't have to jump through these religious hoops or uh, meet anybody else's expectations. You don't have to do anything because the love of God and the grace of God is free to everyone who asks for it. And this shatters fear. What am I supposed to be afraid of now? As... uh, You know, Paul will ever say, with God before us, who can be against us? You know, what can separate us from the love of God? Nothing. And as as Paul cries that out, uh, you can just see the people in Paul's day crying out against him. He was such a threat to the rulers and the authorities. They threw him in jail multiple times. And why would they do that? A guy who's walking around basically preaching 1 Corinthians 13 in the love chapter on how we're to just love one another and care for one another and defining love in these beautiful uh, words and phrases and telling people about Jesus who comes as almighty God and loving everybody and forgiving everybody and even going to the cross for us. And why is this such a threat? It's a threat because it's a direct shot against their power. Their power, what keeps them in authority, is fear. And perfect love cast out fear. So I said that last time. I had to say it again because we are really in the same place here with this blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Let me say something else about this. We don't like it, right? We don't like to be persecuted. We don't like to be reviled. We don't like people to utter all kinds of evil against us falsely. We hate that. But it happened to Jesus, and Jesus said, the servant is not greater than his master. If they hated me, they will also hate you. And so people are going to say terrible things about us. And it's okay. But we don't feel it's okay. 
we feel that it's a terrible thing. We've got to stop it. It's an injustice. We've got to shut it down, man. We've got to set the record straight. You know, we can't have people lying about us. We can't have people misunderstanding us. And we, and we try to manipulate the situation and manipulate others in a way so that they'll, they'll like us. We want friendship with the world. And sometimes when we're loving and gracious, there are people in the world that will love us. And there'll be situations that we come upon where we'll, we'll be rewarded right here in the world. But Jesus is saying here that, you know, you're, you're also blessed <laughs> when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. It's going to happen and you're going to be blessed when it does because the only person that we're seeking their approval and respect of is Almighty God. If I'm seeking approval and respect from the world, I'm following the wrong guy. If I'm a follower of Jesus and hoping to get the world's approval, this is a terrible mistake. I'm not going to get the world's approval all the time if I'm going to be a follower of Jesus. He did not get the world's approval, and I won't either. No matter how loving and good and wonderful he is and how much I emulate him and by being wonderful and good myself, I'm still going to be torn down and reviled. And people are going to accuse me of all kinds of evil. And it's going to be false, but it doesn't matter. The damage will be done. My reputation will be shattered. People will hate me. People will talk against me. And... When this happens, it's painful. But Jesus says that you're blessed. And why does he say so? Verse 12, he says, Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Yeah, it's it's interesting for me to think about as I meditate on this. I want people to honor me, you know. And I want to be uh, blessed in the world. But I have to back up and say, I can't let that control my speech. I can't let that control my actions. I need, need to give control over to Jesus completely. If I'm going to be a follower of Jesus, I need to seek his approval alone. This is very difficult for me to do. It's very difficult for me to accept the fact that I'm just not going to be liked by everybody and embrace the fact that as some people like me and some people dislike me and Jesus experienced the same he was you know he was worshiped coming into Jerusalem uh, riding on a donkey and people throwing palms before him and those same people by the end of the week were shouting crucify him and on a much smaller scale uh, you and I can have the same experiences and we're to we're to not hold on to the praise of men but we're going to go ahead and rejoice and be glad when it all goes wrong for your reward is great in heaven for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you many of the prophets never saw good in their own days and they they only saw evil days and difficult days uh, Jeremiah didn't preach wonderfully for 40 years and then retire and go play golf in Egypt. No, 
he was he was persecuted throughout his career and very likely went down to Egypt to hang with the other exiles and was killed there. It's it's not likely that he just enjoyed a lengthy retirement of uh, sitting by the Nile and watching the the barges go by. No, he 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 like Isaiah and like so many others very likely died a violent death. And I'm not saying that you and I will die violent deaths, but I am saying that great is our reward in heaven if we love others in such a way that we're persecuted and people revile us. And our reward will be great. What happens in this world is not the final say on whether I've done right or wrong. If I, I, I'm not going to get to retirement age and look at my bank account and go, ooh, I messed up. No, if my bank account is great or small, if my wealth is great or small, if my circle of friends is great or small, regardless of what I have on this planet, if it's all or nothing, my reward is great in heaven if I only look to God for his approval and I act only in a way that seeks his approval. I think this is such an important concept for us. And I'm going to say one more thing as we close this last meditation on the Beatitudes, that as we have looked through each one of these, and we've begun with being poor in spirit, and, and which makes us teachable, as we think about meekness, as, as we all of these things, hungering and thirsting for righteousness, it's all of it is an attitude that we're to have, an attitude that says, I lack, I don't have everything that I want or that the kingdom of God has to offer. And as I admit that, and I say, Lord, I'm needy. Lord, I'm not arrogant. I'm not a person who's full of knowledge and wisdom and able to instruct others in a way that everybody should just bow down and listen to me. No, that's not who I am as a character in the kingdom of God. I am the kind of person who listens to others, who loves others, who forgives others, who brings peace to the situation and seeks only God and his kingdom. And when that happens, I can rejoice and know that my reward will be great in heaven. And I, I think that my reward is already great because I love the life that he's called me to live. And I want to pray now and begin by being thankful for what he's given me. And then we'll move into a time of contemplation and then close with the Lord's Prayer. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me, for calling me. I wasn't wise enough to seek you, but you have sought me. Thank you for helping me to scrape out the dirt and the filth that's in my heart and mind and empty me out so that I can then be filled with your love, with your grace, with your compassion, with your empathy, so that I can love others the way you love others. And in that, I'll be loving you as you love me. And now, 
Let's read the words of Revelation 3 and 20 and listen to Jesus before we go to 30 seconds of silent contemplation. Listen, I'm standing at the door, knocking. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to you and eat with you and you with me. So as he says, he knocks on the door. Let's open the door. Open the door. Let's say the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father who are in heaven, holy is your name. May your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory, now and forever. Amen. This has been Meditations from Middle Earth. May God be your ever-present teacher and richly bless you on your journey.